This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. Broadcasting to you from Santa Rosa, California, by way of the IC Robots Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, prepare to witness the strength of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. Howdy folks, it is I, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, coming to you with the first of what will hopefully be a few special summer editions of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots radio network. Due to our summer schedule here at Sensational Manor, my ability to record full-length Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast episodes is somewhat diminished. I am not home by myself during the day. The kids are here, making recording quite difficult, but... Tonight, they are out. They are camping with Ms. Sensational, my wife, um, on the eve of myself getting ready to embark on a trip down to Long Beach, California to check out two nights of New Japan Pro Wrestling here in the United States. I'm quite excited about it. For those of you listening to the show, you know I am a big wrestling fan, and New Japan is my favorite wrestling promotion. Um, It's probably the closest thing going to old Crockett Promotions era, um, kind of pre-WCW, which is sort of my sweet spot with wrestling, where you have um, definite characters. It's not just a bunch of boring guys and plain trunks um, going at it. You got got characters with gimmicks and something to sink your teeth into, but it is in more of a sports presentation format as opposed to the WWE sort of uh, variety show thing, which I am not as big a fan of. But anyway, getting ready to hop into a car with my pal Jerry tomorrow at five in the morning. We're going to cruise down to Long Beach. We're going to check out shows on Saturday night, Sunday night, and then we're driving back on Monday. So I'm taking a quick minute here with the house to myself to record volume one of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega Summer Specials. So as uh, unlike my long rambling full-length episodes, this is going to be kind of a quick uh, shot here. Um, just going to cover a couple topics as the summer moves on, as I have a chance to record. Normally I record over the course of several days, but these are going to be a, just sit down for half an hour to an hour and just, uh, hit you with, uh, something that's on the top of mind at the moment. And what is on the top of my mind right now is, um, well, let's ratchet it back to, um, I guess it was last weekend. It seems like longer than that. I, I, I actually, I just got back from LA yesterday, went down there for a family trip and now I'm going to get back in the car and head back tomorrow. It's about a six and a half hours to LA proper seven and a half to long beach. But anyway, doing the, the Southern California circuit here this summertime, Um, But last weekend, I sat down to watch um, a Bellator Fighting Championships pay-per-view. Bellator is a mixed martial arts promotion. It's kind of the second, uh, second, distant second place to the more um, recognizable Ultimate Fighting Championships. But um, Bellator definitely, um, its target demographic is old folks such as myself who grew up in the early days of UFC. They go for a lot of nostalgia. There's fights with old dudes from the past. Uh, they use old uh, Mike Goldberg, longtime UFC play-by-play announcer, is now working for them. Mauro Ranallo, who's also known in the MMA circles, kind of for more with the old-time crowd. Um, he's now signed with them. 
So Bellator, I, I watch UFC now and again. I don't watch it very often. I do watch Bellator quite a bit. Um, and so I watched this Bellator show last weekend, and I have some thoughts on that. And it also got me thinking about some of my memories of my early days in mixed martial arts, watching mixed martial arts um, on VHS. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, I don't want to get too bogged down talking about the details of this Bellator show I watched. I really only want to bring it up because it got me thinking about some of my memories from days past. Um, but just to touch base with this Bellator show, the two main event fights on the show, um, the main main event was um, Chael Sonnen, who, if you're not familiar with Chael, he is kind of a trollish, loudmouth, con man sort of fellow. Um, his trash talking and his promos, the interviews he does, are probably, if you're going to be honest, more memorable than his fighting career itself. But hey, there's no, in my mind, there's nothing wrong with that. I Part of why UFC MMA doesn't interest me as much these days is the whole pure sports aspect that they try to go for. I don't really care about who's a better athlete. I don't really care about who's a more skilled fighter. I care about two marketable individuals being promoted and put into a situation where I have a reason to be emotionally invested in their fight with one another. And that was certainly the case on this show. So you had Chael Sonnen, who's a master trash talker, versus uh, a fellow named Wanderlei or Vanderlei Silva, a Brazilian fighter who was big in the early 2000s. And um, Chael had really gotten in this guy's head over the last couple of years and they hadn't really um, been able to find a format where they could fight. Both had drug viola- viol- ah, performance-enhancing drug violation issues, so on and so forth. But finally, the fight was made in Bellator. Um, both guys decidedly passed their fighting prime, especially in the case of uh, Vanderlei. Um, dude is, I think, about my age, but he looks like he's 60. So anyway, this fight was not about technical... Um, a high technical mastery. Not that either of these guys weren't um, great technicians in their day, but they're a little past their prime. But it, it was it was storyline. It was emotion, and it was it was you know fan service for those of us who've been watching mixed martial arts since way back when. And um, the fight that preceded it was a fellow named Fedor Emelianenko, a Russian fighter who was also a legend in the two thousands. Versus um, a fellow named Matt Mitrione, who played um, he was uh, played. Uh, professional football for the New York Giants is now a mixed martial arts fighter. Um, and so this was, this one was uh, marketed kind of as a passing of the torch fight, you know, Fedor the legend versus Mitrione, who, who's not no spring chicken himself. I think he's like 38. But uh, uh, another fight that kind of harkened to days past, um, both Vanderlei Silva and um, Fedor Emelianenko were big stars in the great Japanese mixed martial arts uh, promotion known as Pride Fighting Championships. And right off the bat with these big Bellator shows, I find them so much more appealing than UFC because just the, the presentation is more over the top. It, it's more pro wrestling style, and granted, I'm a pro wrestling fan. And the, the fights are all train wrecks, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not a martial artist. I can't really – I mean, I, I can appreciate technique to a degree, but really at the end of the day, a train wreck that I can get emotionally invested in, that is, is uh, you know, the pinnacle for me for mixed martial arts. And um, it was interesting on this show because both of the old Pride guys, Vanderlei and Fedor, both lost. And as um, I think the announcers brought it up during the broadcast, but um, there's a saying about Pride, um, that promotion that many of us from the old days really revere, um, saying Pride never die. 
even though Pride is out of business, uh, the UFC bought the intellectual property. Um, for those of us who are fans, Pride is always, you know, ha- has a place in our heart. Pride never die. But but last weekend really was kind of the death of Pride. It was the last gasp for those big stars. And it was, it was you know, really the, the final nail in the coffin that the Pride era is over. And it was the last chance to kind of see these guys and, and give a tip of the hat and pay respects. Um, but with Pride finally dying, for lack of a better term, um, it got me thinking about what made me interested in this stuff in the first place, and it brought back some memories um, from those early days as a fan. And really, it's funny because nowadays when you when you uh, look at mixed martial arts, kind of the, the more contemporary mixed martial arts fan, the guy that maybe trains in a fight gym and wears like tap-out clothes – Usually those kind of guys look down their nose at professional wrestling because that's fake, but MMA is real. And um, likewise, in professional wrestling, a lot of pro wrestling fans are like, oh, MMA is that boring sports thing. We like this entertaining fake wrestling thing. But from where I stand as someone that came of age in the 80s and the 90s, when I first came across MMA and started watching MMA, early UFC and pride fighting and Pancrase and all that stuff, that was really just an extension of pro wrestling. It was like, what would happen if we had a pro wrestling match, but the guys like were actually hitting each other? You know, <laughs> what would happen if uh, pro wrestlers fought for real? And that's what made that early MMA scene so great. It it, it wasn't nowadays. You know, it's it's really well built guys, athletes in generic trunks, doing athletic. Uh, fighting moves and grappling and and each one kind of both guys being so outmatched that neither one is really dominating the other and the fights are all kind of now and again you you have fights that go off the rails and are different but a lot of a lot of the fights are kind of by the numbers and the same because you have high level athletes competing but in the early days at MMA it was crazy like you you'd have like a huge fat sumo guy versus like a, a Dutch kickboxer and uh, all kinds of crazy mismatches and. It was it was just great train wreck performance art. It, it was just you never knew what was going to happen, and it had more of a feel. It was basically like all those movies we saw as kids in the eighties, like Bloodsport and all that other John Claude Van Damme stuff and like Bruce Lee stuff um, made real. It was you know Roadhouse, that was good old Keith Hackney in the early UFC days bore a striking resemblance to Patrick Swayze, um, just kind of fighter fightery mullet guy. Um, and obviously those days are long since past. They are never coming back, um, but they're fun to look back at and uh, kind of reminisce. And after a quick break, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look back at some VHS MMA memories right here on this special summer edition of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You're about to see something that you have never seen before. The ultimate fighting challenge. Hello, I'm Bill Wallace, and welcome to McNichols Arena. Excuse me, McNichols Arena in fabulous Denver, Colorado. Tank Abbott joins us now. Tank, nice to have you with us. How you doing, Bruce? Good, very good. Uh, Tank, we got to ask you, we haven't seen you in some time since Puerto Rico. What happened down there? Um, somebody got smart with me and I uh, had to lay the law down. I can't let people talk to me like that. Uh, basically, um, it was a one-time thing. Uh, 
you know, I, I kind of laughed it off later. Um, if I would have took it further, I'm coming after your ass, and I'll knock on your front door and take care of you. But, Tank, you have to have an ability in this thing to, to keep your head about you, or else you're not going to get a chance to fight. Well, that's very true, so let's uh, throw down some IQ points, and uh, we'll see all these mental giants you have here, and we'll see who comes up on top. But now that you're off your suspension, what are your plans? What do you want to do? What do I want to do? I've uh, Let me tell you something. When I count days, I'm counting days to get out of a cage. Um, now I'm counting days, 70 and running, to get back into a cage. And... Uh, are you saying you assigned to fight again? I'm fighting September 20th unless uh, another Art Davy situation arises. Um, basically, let's put it this way. You've seen uh, Discovery Channel. You've seen uh, some animals uh, rip apart a, a gazelle. That's what's going to happen. Okay, welcome back to the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. Summer Special Volume 1, where we are talking about VHS MMA memories. Picture, if you will, the year 1999. It's the summer of 99. I had been living down in San Jose, California with Ms. Sensational. Before she was Ms. Sensational, we were a boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. She had moved down to San Jose to go to graduate school. I had moved there with her. But things quickly took kind of a downward turn. I didn't really have a lot going on down there. Got kind of depressed. Um, we started, sort of started kind of drifting apart. And after a year of living down there, I moved back to Santa Rosa, California, into a sweet bachelor pad with two other fellas, a guy named Bart and a guy named Brian. We lived in a really crappy two-bedroom house in a crummy neighborhood that nowadays is kind of a um, upwardly moving hipster kind of you know cutesy railroadish uh, quaint um, neighborhood known as the West End. But when I lived there, it was just known as a bad neighborhood where you got chased down the street by meth addicts when you're trying to walk home from your coffee shop job. But anyway, it was a two bedroom house. Um, I lived in one bedroom. Brian lived in another one. Bart lived in the garage. Um, we rented from this slumlord, slumlord lady named Gail who owned a place called Super Burger here in Santa Rosa. It since has new ownership. Um, but yeah, it was like a little cardboard box of a house. Um, my bedroom window faced the backyard of a meth house where these tweakers would like sit out in front 24-7 talking about all their personal drama um, the fun part about that is occasionally, um, we didn't have cable, but I would, uh, videotape Monday night raw and Monday nitro and the ECW show on TNN all at my mom's house and then bring the VHS tapes home and watch them. And occasionally I'd be in sync with the neighbors cause we'd both be watching wrestling at the same time. So I don't know what that says about me and my character, but Hey, it was the nineties and everyone watched wrestling. Right. So, <laughs> um, but around that time, so I, I, had been big into wrestling, was big into wrestling. It was the height of the Monday Night Wars, kind of the golden age of 90s wrestling, WCW versus WWE with ECW kind of on the sidelines. And uh, my roommates were not as into wrestling as I was, but they were definitely down to watch it. And um, the roommate Brian, who I got to give a shout out right now, rest in peace, Brian is no longer with us. 
But um, Brian worked at a local video store called Video Droid, which still exists to this day. I believe uh, IC Robots has talked about this show, uh, that this store before on the uh, Toys R Us report and probably on This Boring Life as well. Uh, in fact, I know on This Boring Life as well because I believe he did a video store show, right? Yeah. So anyway, Brian worked at Video Droid and so um, would constantly be bringing home a steady stream of VHS tapes. And now I've said before on the show that I am not going to sit here and say that those were better times because in some ways, um, as far as entertainment and popular culture consumption goes, we are living in much better times now with you know practically everything available at the touch of a button. But there was something to be said about that VHS era. Obviously, Icy Robots uh, chronicles this quite a bit, but I'll just uh, chime in here. Back then, it was like it, it was so much fun, like just the mystique around all that. Like, what's Brian going to bring home today? And it could be anything from like some crazy, you know, Euro trash art flick to a, whatever the latest blockbuster movie is on videotape. Or, um, you know, a documentary about Muhammad Ali. Um, or, or, I mean, just really anything. But one of the things he started bringing home that kind of, you know, synced up with the, the wrestling that I'd kind of brought into the household was he started bringing home the early Uf UFC tapes. And he would bring these home, you know, in the same batch where he'd bring home uh, um, FMW, Frontier Martial Arts, a Japanese wrestling promotion tapes of like uh, Mick Foley and Terry Funk, you know, having a match against uh, Leatherface and Jason, you know. So, again, it was all the same genre as far as we were concerned. It was fights between crazy dudes. And uh, and so UFC, we really got into it because it was kind of like, you know, wrestling was kind of getting bloated at that point. You know, WWF was quickly becoming the corporate juggernaut that it is today. WCW was kind of jumping the shark. ECW was cool, but it was like still, you know, there wasn't a ton of content. But here were the, this stuff just felt so underground. It was like, this is like real dudes wrestling. You know, it's it's a cage fight. Someone might die. And you had just like uh, over the top characters, like uh, that, that creepy Dutch kickboxer guy, Gerard Gordeaux, and, uh, you know, Tank Abbott, who just looked like he could just literally knock someone's block off and did. Um, you had, uh, chemo carrying his cross out there with this creepy little Joe son, uh, you know, Korean hype man. Um, it was just a wild, mysterious, unpredictable and dangerous world. And I, I guess that is really what, um, was the hallmark of that era. Um, the part of it that was better than what we have now. We have, we have access to so much now, but it is so safe. And there was so much danger back then and unpredictability and mystery. And it, it just wanted, it made you want to keep coming back for more. I mean, the way it is now, you know, I can, I can watch, you know, 20 MMA fights that are going on right now from all over the world, but it almost makes me not want to watch it. Um, but back then, you know, it was just these iconic characters and, um, larger than life individuals. Um, and so we, you know, got really into watching these tapes. And um, I can't remember how many UFCs had already taken place by the time that we started watching them, but we slowly started catching up, starting with one all the way through what was current at the time. And it really did start to take over every aspect of our life and our imagination and our aesthetic worldviews. Um, it was a strange time period, the three of us living in that house. All three of us were 
young, but not kids anymore. We were underemployed. We weren't really going anywhere. Um, no future that we could foresee at the time. All had kind of uh, dead-end retail jobs. Um, I, I remember vividly one night just sitting there watching UFC and Bart, um, the other roommate, the, not the one that was bringing the VHS tapes home, but uh, the other one. Um, he worked – God, where did he work? He worked at a bakery at the time. And uh, I just remember him sitting there shirtless, you know, watching the grainy images on the, the non-high-def, whatever, whatever, whatever it was called back then, the tube television screen, um, the grainy VHS images with kind of bad tracking. I remember him sitting there um, just glistening with sweat because it was a summer day and we had no air conditioning and um, our house was just like this gross cave. Uh, we didn't own a vacuum cleaner and we all smoked inside the house and there was just beer bottles everywhere. And Bart just sitting there on the couch, he's this tall, lanky, skinny, wiry guy smoking, watching UFC. And uh, he's just watching a guy ground and pound another guy, just fists to the face, blood flying. And he just sitting there, takes takes a drag off his cigarette and just says, I'm starting to care less and less about more and more. And that, that really summed up that, that era. Um, so in the midst of caring less and less about more and more, early MMA just kind of gave us that focus. And, and soon enough, everything in our household life became patterned off of, uh, off of kind of the uh, versus platform. Every, everything was individual versus individual. So um, watching UFC... Obviously, that's a given. We were watching two guys fight each other. Then that kind of spilled over. We all got really into um, wrestling video games. I mean, I'd already been into them, but these guys fully got on board. And there were no MMA video games at the time. So I think that the yeah the current video game at the time, I remember it had been WCW versus NWO Revenge. But um, this was right when uh, – I think it was called WrestleMania 2000 came out, which was the, the – um, successor to WCW versus NWO Revenge. THQ Aki um, went from being a, uh, having the WCW rights to going over to WWF for the first time. And um, I remember I uh, something happened. I was working at a coffee shop, and there was a glitch at the cash register one day. And uh, at that time, you know, my finances were pretty poor. I would basically, my life consisted of waking up super early to go work at the coffee shop, getting off work at about two, and then just like getting drunk uh, starting at two on. And uh, so I, I'd ride my bike over to the ATM every day after work and just like put in the card, try to withdraw 40 bucks and hope something came out. And probably about seven out of 10 times something did. And then I'd, I'd use that money to buy alcohol. But um, so I didn't have a lot of money for um, things like video games. But yeah, th this cash register glitch happened at work, and there was like a forty dollars that were unaccounted for, and I could have reported it and had it turned in, which would probably would have been the right thing to do. And I have always been terrified of any kind of theft, embezzlement, anything illegal. But the forty dollars were just sitting there, and I knew WrestleMania two thousand had just been released, and it was about sixty bucks. So I, I could conjure up twenty, but sixty was a bit much. And I pocketed that $40 and I went over to the mall to whatever video game store was in there at the time. It was not GameStop. Um, God, maybe it was EB Games. I can't remember. But I, I bought WrestleMania 2000, brought it home, 
And that kind of became our UFC video game platform. We'd use the creator wrestler to create, you know, we created Tank Abbott, we created uh, Gerard Gordeau, and um, we'd have him, we'd created Ric Flair who wasn't in the game and like made him an MMA fighter. And we would just sit there and have endless battles um, playing each other on WrestleMania 2000 in between watching UFC tapes and other weird wrestling tapes. And, uh, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a fun time. It was kind of a depressing time. You know, my life was kind of in shambles. Like I said, we were going nowhere, but there was there was just kind of a, a calm serenity to that time, especially, you know, knowing where I am now, knowing that I escaped that time. There was something very, um, it's kind of like uh, Icy Robots recently talked about the Big Lebowski on the Toys R Us report, and um, he talked about what is it, dudism? And um, I don't remember that movie super well. I, I mentioned um, on Facebook that I actually haven't watched that movie in a long time, and his episode made me want to re-watch it. But we definitely had something along those lines going on in that house. Uh, it was kind of like a strange Northern California slacker zen centered around combat sports or watching combat sports. Um, so, But it, transformed, it transferred into not just... Um, Games or other outlets that were were obviously uh, combat oriented, but then like we had a Nintendo sixty four game that was like some sort of snowboarding game, and we we turned that into a fighting game. Like we would basically that was another outlet for us to to reenact fights with each other with these weird cartoon characters on snowboards, and um, we would incorporate kind of fighting imagery and fighting uh, terminology into everything we did. We even talked about starting a fight league in our side yard. But that never really happened. I think there were a couple drunken brawls out there, but that never really got off the ground. I also had an idea. I wanted to start a speakeasy in our house where we would just buy a bunch of cheap beer and then invite people over and charge them for it like it was a bar. But that probably wouldn't have gone super well in retrospect. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. That never got off the ground. But um, kind of the culmination of the fight aesthetic in our household um, reached a crescendo one night when a guy named Matt, and I've talked about a lot of Matts on the show. This is one I have not talked about before, um, but I'm going to talk about him now. A guy named Matt and a guy named Jerry, who's kind of a Santa Rosa icon. They came over to hang out and party one night. Um, we were actually, well, we were going to go out to a party. And uh, so we were all getting ready to go, and we were playing some WrestleMania 2000 um, at, while we were waiting. And uh, two of us were playing, and Jerry and Matt weren't even playing, but they kind of were standing off to the side, and they started kind of play wrestling around with each other. And they weren't even really being that rowdy, but this this is how jank that house was. Um, Jerry's elbow, or maybe it was Matt's elbow, one of their elbows just kind of barely grazed our living room window, and the whole freaking thing shattered. And um, our liaison for that house to the landlord, the one I think whose, whose name it was really under was Brian, God rest his soul, and Brian was not amused. <laughs> Brian, Brian was, was, was down to claim wild man and party so long as it didn't affect his pocketbook. And, I mean, obviously we were all going to pitch in to fix the window, but he got pretty uptight about that one. And that, that kind of – I'd say that, that, was, that was the end of the era, really. Um, I think I moved out like a month later. The thrill was gone. The party was over. But um, – you know, UFC and VHS just kind of imbued that house with a spirit that I don't think it would have had otherwise. And like I say, my life's a lot different now. It's hard to believe that that era even happened. But I think back on it fondly. I think back on just kind of grainy bad tracking and fat dudes punching each other in the face. 
caring less and less about more and more chain smoking, really wishing I had a vacuum cleaner. Um, and in retrospect, I wonder why I didn't just drink at home when it would have been like 75% cheaper than going out to bars, which I insist on doing all the time. But I think I was about 20, early 20s, 22-ish at the time. So bars were still a novelty, but we'll talk about that more on a future episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. But this this was just a quick kind of shout out here just because I wanted to keep the ball rolling before getting back into full episodes in the fall. Um, probably kind of niche if you're not into MMA, but um, just some memories that I think back on fondly just to, to keep the flames stoked in the meantime. I'm going to be coming back at you soon. My next episode, um, Summer Special Volume 2, is going to be a head-to-head record review between Dee Dee King, also known as Dee Dee Ramone's rap record, Standing in the Spotlight, versus the Macho Man Randy Savage's rap record, Be a Man. So until next time, thanks for tuning in for this short little ramble. As always, you can join the IC Robots Facebook page for more IC Robots Radio Network goodness. You can subscribe to our podcast feed anywhere that podcast feeds are available. You can check me out at Sensational Vega on Twitter. You can also go to my defunct uh, WordPress site, genovega.wordpress.com where you can find a link to both my Twitter account and my Facebook page. Send me a Facebook friend request. All friend requests welcome. In the meantime, oh, you can also visit supportthereport.com where you can support our endeavor here at IC Robots Radio Network for as little as a dollar a month. Um, IC Robots also has a bunch of swag now available on Redbubble, including stickers, coffee mugs, and I hear a rumor that there's going to be a Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast t-shirt coming down the pike. So go over to icrobots.com. I see robots as and I look at them. You can find a link to his Redbubble site there. In the meantime, folks, have a great summer. I'm going to have a good time in Long Beach. I'll probably come back at you at some point down the line with some thoughts on that. Um, probably should do a show about my last trip to L.A. too because that was kind of amusing. But um, until then, hey, thanks for uh, bearing with me. I will catch you down the line. has been a Joseph S. Mama production on the IC Robots Radio Network. You heard?